The parasha begins with a war. When Jews go out to war to battle against their enemies and how things should proceed. In Chesidus, the entire story of of is really about an internal battle. The internal enemy that we're fighting against. And everything in the parasha that describes how you need to go about things uh, during that war is really a, a discussion or an instruction of how we need to deal with the battles that we deal inside. But there's another concept in Chesidus, that the battles we fight inside are not just a separate battle on a spiritual plane, and the physical battles in the world are fought by soldiers with arms and ammunition, but the battles that we fight internally spiritually have actually an impact on the physical battles that go around in the world. They say Rabbi one of the Talmidim of Rabbi was Rabbi Aaron of Tetayef, was a great tzaddik, and he describes that Rabbi Aditchev used to say that when a Yid learns Torah, learns Torah diligently, then he's able to navigate and he can um, manipulate the physical battles that go out in the world between different nations that for the most time will affect Jews as well. But if, 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 if Jews needed the war to turn out in a certain way, then Jews can accomplish that by studying Torah. And he would say that whenever there was a war going on, and of course the war would affect the lives of the Jewish people that lived in those countries. So he would say, let me start with a pilpul. I will give a lecture, a Torah, a Torah discussion on a certain topic, and we'll fight the battles of uh, Torah, you know, sorting out between two conflicting opinions and giving a whole essay, a whole um, uh, exposition on a certain subject in the Gemara and will navigate the discussion in such a way where this and this army will be victorious over the other army. In other words, that the, the limit of Torah, he was able to use that to manipulate how things should turn out on the battleground. Also in the Alter Rebbe, that he blew Shafer on Rosh Hashanah before the other tzaddikim who were in favor of Napoleon and he was against Napoleon. And his Avoy the the battles, the spiritual battles that he uh, engaged in through Shafer, was able to manipulate the physical battle on earth between different nations. The story with the Fidik um, Rebbe. It's a story I heard from Rabbi Khan. He has a friend, Heishke Gansberg, Oliver Shalom, who told him the story that it was in the 1940s there was a, a Bachar in 770, during the time of the Fidik Rebbe was still alive. And it was right during the Milchemet HaShichru, the War of Independence in Israel, 1948. And when people heard in America that there was a battle going on in Israel, this Bachar wanted to participate, he wanted to go and help, he felt an urge to help his brethren in Eretz Yisrael and to um, volunteer himself to go to fight in the, in, in the war. So he, he learned in the 770, so he went to the Friedrich Rebbe to ask him uh, his advice. And the Friedrich Rebbe said that this is a bad idea. 
he said that in every army there are different divisions. There's the Air Force, there's the, the Marines, different divisions. So if somebody runs away from one division, goes to another division, he's doing a lot of harm to the success of the war. Because it's essential that every soldier sticks to his unit, to his division, and fights the war effectively. He says the same thing with the wars that go on in the world. The wars, the wars in the world are not only fought on physical battlefields, they also fought in, on a spiritual plane. And the soldiers that are fighting those wars on a spiritual plane are those that study Torah. So when you study Torah with diligence, this later feeds into the war that's on a physical plane down here on earth and helps the, the war outcome that should be in, in a favorable way. Another story that's uh, interesting uh, is brought down from um, one of the Chassidim, uh, I think it was Absalom um, Duchman, the Friedrich Rebbe participated in a conference in Russia. A famous conference, he came with the Rebbe Rashab, uh, where they um, invited all the rabbis uh, from all different circles to come and participate in a special meeting concerning a certain decree, a law that the Russian government wanted to implement that would affect the, the lives of the Jewish people. So they all spent together, the Rebbe Rashab and the Friedrich Rebbe, together with all the other rabbanim, Rebbe Chaim Brisker, and other great, great luminaries that participated in this conference. During the course of the conference, during the breaks, the Fiyitik Rebbe spoke to Reb Chaim Brisker. Reb Chaim Brisker told him an insight from his father. His father, Reb Chaim Brisker's father, was the famous Beis Alevi. He was a rov in the city. And, but he, in the small towns in the olden days, rabbis had plenty of time to study because the rabbanis, the rabbinical responsibilities, weren't so taxing, so uh, um, onerous. So they spent time as much as possible to learn. They didn't get much of a salary, but, but that's good. They, they, smaller towns was a better for those that desired to spend most of their time to learn. So Beis Levi would study most of the time, and the Rabbanas only talk a fraction of the time. So he would study with two guys, always two guys that never worked. They sat in Beis learned all day. They were his chavrusas. They would study together. One guy's name was Chaim Klotz. Chaim the Log. A Klotz. The other guy's name was uh, Shmerel the Hunchback. He had a hunchback. They called him Shmerel the Hunchback. Chaim Klotz was called Chaim Klotz because he would sit on a log days in, days out for, for 18 hours a day for many, many years in always the same piece of log, always the same spot that over the years you could see a dent in the log from, from his sitting there all the time. So they called him Chaim Klotz. Somebody asked the Besalevi, you're studying all day, or the most of the day, with Chaim Klotz and Shmerel the Hunchback, and what are you guys studying? You're studying these esoteric laws about Kachim, the sacrifices, the Kabbalahs, Besamikdash, and only the Lambdas, the theoretical ideas, and the Gemaras, Vachim, Menachas. He says, what are you contributing to the world? How is the world going to benefit from the fact that you guys are sitting there, you, Chaim Klotz, and Shmel Hunchback are sitting there all day long and studying ideas that have nothing to do with the real world? And Besalevi answered him and said, My friend, if I 
and Chaim Klotz and Shmerel Hunchback's study Talmud, even if the Gemara that we're studying seems to be very have very little relevance to real life, but as a result of our studying here, a Jew in the other town will study at least Hilcha Shabbos. And if that Jew studies Hilcha Shabbos, because of that, in another town, a Jew will come every morning in Davin B'daminyan. And because that Jew comes every morning in Davin B'daminyan, that's why in another town, there's a Jew who comes at least in Shabbos Yishol. And that Jew that comes Shabbos Yishol, because of him, there's a Jew on the other side of, of the country, that is in a small town, where a Jew comes once a year on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And because that Jew comes at least Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, there's the son of a pharmacist at the far end of Russia that will fast on Yom Kippur. And he said, what we do in our own private, uh, you know, Daladamas has effect on what happens in other towns, in everywhere else. And what happens everywhere else, you know, it goes down the chain. There's like a ripple effect that goes down the chain until the last Jew there, the most alienated Jew, that doesn't come to anything. But he'll fast Yom Kippur or he'll refrain from intermarrying. If I stop learning with Chaim Klotz and with Shmerel Hunchback, then the Jew next town will not study the Hilcha Shabbos and the Jew next town will not come for Shabbos Yishol until the last Jew there who will unfortunately intermarry. Or won't fast in Yom Kippur. So the, when the previous Rebbe told this to the Rebbe Rashab, the Rebbe Rashab said, yeah, it's true. That what we do in our setting has a deep impact on what other Jews do, less committed Jews, do on their own level. But this kind of influence is from the top down, milmaila lamata. There's a whole other way of influencing the world, milmata lamata, from the bottom up. And I, I assume that the meaning of that is that when we go down to the other person's level, where people go on shlichas, people go on miftzayim, and you deal with the person's own world, trying to lift them up, that's a whole different effect. There's no comparison between the effect you have by sitting in an insulated environment where you don't see the world, but because by osmosis, so to speak, you, your learning Torah will affect other Jews. That impact is a very uh, marginal impact. It's, 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 it's incomparably weaker than the impact one does by going down there and from the bottom up, getting the person to lift themselves up, inspiring a Jew proactively. Good job, is.